Welcome to the Weight Release Revolution podcast. I'm your host, Bron Martin, the hypnotic weight whisperer. This podcast is for women who are so over diets, but you still want to release weight. And if diets don't work, and we know they don't from hard-won experience, then what do we do? It's all good. Now you're in the right place. I'm going to share practical tools, inspiration, insights, and a little bit of mind-bendy hypno-magic to support you in your weight release journey. So let's get started, shall we? In this episode, we're going to explore what to eat and what not to eat to release weight. And the thing is, we know how to release weight. We've all done it thousands of times. The trick is actually keeping that weight off, right? When I first start working with clients, some of them say to me, I just don't know what to eat. And the thing is, we actually do know what to eat. We really do. Quality protein, whether you're a vegetarian or um, a meat eater, and vegetables, a little bit of fruit, a little bit of nuts and seeds, good quality oils, right? And that concept of shopping around the outskirts of the supermarket makes sense because that's where you're going to find the fresh produce, that's where you're going to find the meat and you can also find tofu and all of that sort of stuff, you know, around on the outskirts as well now. And it's just cutting down so much on the processed food. Now, I put this question into my Mind Key Community Facebook group and people in there are doing my programs. They know how I think. They know what I teach. And obviously what I share in my hypnosis recordings as well. And so I asked them, do they know what to eat or what not to eat to release weight? And these are the responses. Sandy says, I know my body releases weight when I limit sugar and carbs and it likes fruit and veggies. Dasha says, carob, chocolate and almond latte for breakfast today. Exactly what my body needed. Not sure I know. She does know. And sometimes, you know, where I feel like a chai for breakfast. It's completely fine. Uh, Stephanie says, I know I have to avoid sugars and eat more vegetables. Karen says, yes, I know what to eat. Jackie says, yes, I know what to eat. Deb says, avoid bread. Beck says, avoid refined carbs. Maraid says, high sugar content foods, refined carbohydrates and eat more protein. Colleen says, avoid sugar, gluten, dairy. Eat loads of vegetables, some berries and not so sweet fruits. Protein every meal to stay full and not snack in between meals. Then watch the weight simply fall away. Narelle says, less sugar, less carbs, limit processed food. And all of those answers are correct. The key here is that it's what is best for you. It's what is best for you. So I'm not going to say to any of my clients, don't eat gluten, don't eat dairy, don't eat sugar, don't eat this, don't eat that, right? I'm not into diets. I'm very anti-diet. And we also need to understand how our body reacts to food. And a really easy way to do that is to focus on what you really, really want. And when you're connected into your body, your body is going to tell you what you want. Most people aren't connected into their body. They're in their head, dragging their poor body along for the ride. So it's really key to be connected into your body. And in my programs, I teach you how to do that. And we're not, this is not this episode, so I'll skate over that. 
One of the things that you can do is ask your body, what do you really, really need right now? Thinking about what your body really wants and needs is as easy as going to the supermarket when you're not hungry, like making sure that, you know, you've already eaten because if you go when you're hungry, your body's going to tell you a different story and really feel into what you feel like. Or I always have freezer stash. I always have things that I can pull out. Keeping in mind, if I'm speaking to you and you're a mother of a couple of kids or, you know, however many kids you've got, I'm a single woman and it's very easy for me to do stuff. So if I say something and you're like, oh, good for you, <laughs> you've got to make it work for you, right? I'm not in your world. So just take what resonates, leave what doesn't. But I make freezer stash food and that really works for me. I do, And that could work for any family. I don't like doing food prep like that to me with my personality type is like, I could not think of a worse way to spend a Sunday afternoon, let's be honest, like awful. And then by Friday, that food is so gross. You're so over it. So I like to have variety. When I cook, I make things that I can, well, it's just me. So I'm making, you know, a thing for four or six. And then I've got loads that I can put in the freezer. If I had a family, I would make two and then I could put one in the freezer. And then when I can't be asked cooking, I could just pull it out. So the thing is, it's not that we don't know what to eat. It's that sometimes we're lacking inspiration and we're just in a food rut of food that hasn't served us and getting out of that food rut of eating just convenience food, eating takeaways, eating food out and getting more into a groove of this is what my body wants and needs right now. A little while ago, I had a stomach upset and I just didn't really know what I felt like eating. I knew that I needed to eat, but I just didn't know what I felt like. So I went to the fruit and vegetable shop and I just let my senses guide me on my shopping trip and really got drawn towards the pineapple. And I ate pineapple and I felt so much better. And then I got curious about it and I looked it up and pineapple has a thing called bromelain in it. I just utilized my personal assistant, Google. And bromelain is a mixture of enzymes found in pineapples that digest protein. Pineapple has been used for centuries in Central and South America to treat indigestion and reduce inflammation. Well, my body didn't need Google to tell me that. My body knew what it needed. So when we're guided by our senses and when we're tapped in and tuned in and we're not shoving addictive, adulterated, processed and frankenfoods into our face, then our body is going to guide us towards what we really want to need. And then shopping can be a sensory experience where, you know, we can really feel it. Now, if you're living on a station in the outback or if you're living an hour away from a supermarket or you've got three kids and it's hard to get to the supermarket, then it's just doing that in a way that works for you. Maybe you go to a farmer's market and you then just let your senses guide you when you're standing in front of your open fridge. Whatever works for you, your body actually does know the way. It's just that over time, our brains have been tricked by all of this heavily marketed manufactured food and also by the, the lie of convenience as well to choose things that are heavily processed that we can just bung in the oven. Now, I'm not a nutritionist and you know I'm not a nutritionist because well, I'm telling you I'm not, but also sometimes I say nutritionalist and I get it wrong. So that's a dead giveaway that I'm not one of those. But you would be surprised at how many health coaches, nutritionists, and not dietitians, but you know, health coaches and nutritionists come and do my program. 
Now, they are sharing with other people about what to do. They know what to eat. They're just not doing it. So it's not just about knowing what to eat. It's about the execution of following through and actually eating what you know what to eat. When you have food that you have, you know, you've put in the freezer and you've got a stash or you've got favorite recipes that you can go back to, then you're getting inspired and that helps you to move out of that rut. So what I would say is flood your news feed on Facebook or Instagram, whatever you use, with really healthy recipe sites and just see healthy food coming across your your screen and if you're like, yeah, oh, good, I don't like cooking though. You know what? Not that long ago, my friend said to me, because I'm a good cook, but I usually am cooking for myself. So sometimes I make an effort, sometimes I don't. And my friend said to me, you're a good cook. What's your go-to weekday meal? Without skipping a beat, I said, rotisserie chicken and coleslaw. <laughs> like at least once a week, I have that. And then my animals get to you know, feed off the chicken as well. And what I've been doing in the winter is I've been getting a bag of ready chopped up stir fry vegetables and like a, basically like a winter coleslaw and using my rotisserie chicken, just putting some Asian flavors in like a bit of sesame oil makes everything taste Asian-y. And then I put in chili flakes and some tamari, which is a wheat-free soy sauce, a little bit of fish sauce, and sometimes just a, maybe a little bit of miso. And yeah, it tastes amazing. And from getting it out of the fridge to getting it on the plate, it's easily less than 10 minutes, probably seven minutes, I would say. And it's from the fridge to the plate so fast, much faster than getting a takeaway. And I know what's in it, which is always a bonus. Now, the thing is, if somebody's telling you what you should and shouldn't be eating, you're going to rebel against that. But when that's coming from you, that's coming from inside of, what is suiting your body and you just start listening to your body and that can be as easy as before you eat asking yourself what your body really wants and needs as you're eating slowing down while you're eating and really seeing like how is this sitting with me stopping eating when you're full and then checking in with yourself afterwards to see okay how's that feeling in my body now so the aim is to eat food that's nourishing and nurturing, to eat food that satisfies and satiates, and to eat food that feels good as you're eating it and for hours afterwards. And after you've eaten, when you're really checking in with yourself how you feel, really look into, feel into, sense, am I bloated? Am I gassy? You know, what's my energy like? Do I feel like I need a nap after I've eaten? All of those things which we may accept as part of our reality when we just don't know any better, are signs that the food that we're eating isn't so great for us. If you're not even connected into your body in any way, shape or form, and you've just got a general sense of no energy and just feeling a little bit shit all the time, then getting curious about what you're eating and backing off some things and then putting them back in later is really going to show you if that's affected you or not. So now for me... If I ate gluten before, yes, I'd have a bloated belly and it would be, you know, it wouldn't be great. Like I'd be running to the bathroom. Same with dairy, too much dairy. And now if I have it, I have a stronger effect and it actually combs me out. If I have gluten, 
then usually it knocks me out and I need a nap. Like I had to have gluten because I was doing a gluten test. You just got to be mindful of how things affect you. Now it's not affecting me more now because not eating it has made me, you know, more sensitive to it. It's just now my body is able to give me the signal because it's not being bombarded all the time by this food that it's finding not very helpful. Now a good rule of thumb for a meal is to have a palm-sized portion of quality protein, a palm-sized portion of starchy carbs like pumpkin or sweet potato, and then the rest of your plate filled with colourful rainbow array of vegetables and some dark leafy greens. That's the rule of thumb. Now, not every day at every meal I'm doing that. But when you've got a slim mindset embedded, then what you're doing is you're just creating balance. So for instance, I just shared a picture of a meal that I made, because I just love sharing my food, um, in one of my groups, in my Balanced Body program. And it was San Shui Bao that I'd made last week and had frozen. I pulled it out last night. And then I just had loads of cauliflower that I had to use um, before it got all scungy. And I had some little mini peppers and some mushrooms and I just made a stir fry like within five minutes I had my meal because I didn't have to make it from scratch like it's just it's such a gift to your future self when you have a freezer supply it's so amazing I follow Dr. Mark Hyman on Facebook and he's a really good guy to follow on Facebook he's a functional medical doctor and he's got some really inspiring posts and he posted I think it was today or yesterday this is what he keeps his fridge stocked with Vegetables, organic, seasonal, non-starchy vegetables and some starchy vegetables like sweet potatoes and squash. Fruit, organic, seasonal, low glycemic fruit, especially berries. Bonus points if they are wild and frozen is okay. I mean, good luck finding wild berries, let's be honest. But, um, you know, organic and frozen, that's always in my freezer too. Meat, grass-fed beef and lamb, pasture-raised poultry. And again, if you've got a big family, you know, and you're listening to this, you're like, eh, good for that rich doctor over there. Just do whatever you can, right? So just take what resonates, leave what doesn't. Eggs, pasture raised. And this is something that I am really, you know, I don't care how much money people have. If people are buying cage hen eggs, then seriously, they need a word to themselves. Seafood, wild caught salmon and other smash fish. And smash stands for salmon, mackerel anchovies, sardines, and herring. I mean, out of those, I would have anchovies in a sauce and I would have wild salmon. I don't have farmed salmon anymore because I've read too much about it and it's so disgusting. Uh, but I would have salmon and anchovies in a sauce. I don't like the other fish, so I wouldn't have that in my fridge. Fats, grass-fed butter or ghee. Mm, tofu, organic and if possible sprouted. That's never in my fridge, but I'd be curious about trying things with it. Tempeh organic and gluten-free. Again, I've bought tempeh before, but I didn't really know what to do with it. So it sort of just went off in the fridge. But again, both of those things I could definitely um, give a whirl. Dairy, grass-fed yogurt or kefir from goats or sheep's milk. So for dairy, for me, I have um, goat's cheese usually. And I also have um, some sort of sheep cheese and I can tolerate that. And I've also gotten into 
lactose-free cheese that I can get from the supermarket and I have it with a gluten-free wrap and it's like having a cheese toasty, which I haven't been able to have for years. So I quite like that. Um, hummus, organic. And this is one thing to, if you can do an upgrade, because a lot of hummus is made with really cheap ass quality oils. Uh, make sure it's made with olive oil and without additives. And I've looked at all of the supermarket brands and I've found one. I can't remember the name of it right now, but I go to the health food store and get my hummus from there. Uh, kimchi and sauerkraut, which is naturally fermented. And I do love having sauerkraut, but I haven't bought it for a long time. The last one I bought just sat in the fridge. So this has given me a little rev up to just broadening your horizons, right? Creating a new way of thinking about what you're eating and how you're eating it gets you out of a food rut. This actually leads me, that food rut thing, leads me into a conversation that I was just having in my Balanced Body Facebook group. And I said that, you know, when you eat your food with chopsticks, it just tastes so much better. And Ruth said in there that, you know, it's because you're placing the food straight onto your tongue and there's no interference. And I looked online and other people said that it's because you're more focused on the process, which yes, focused on the process of eating it. You have to, you've got to be quite focused and you're eating smaller bits. When you're eating with chopsticks, it's a really effective way to slow down and one of my mantras to my clients is chew slowly and savor the flavor. And that's something I still have to work on. As you might have heard, I talk fast. I'm actually really trying to slow down <laughs> and I think fast and I eat fast. So when I'm eating with chopsticks, then I'm focused, I'm in the moment, I'm in the zone. And I'm also a little bit smug at how good I am with the chopsticks as well, let's be honest. And all of that makes the food taste better. And then I found this study on today.com and it said, bored with your food? Study shows there's a way to make it taste new again. The same old, same old, just got a total new makeover. The article goes on to say, have you ever wished you could taste your favorite food for the first time? And researchers at Ohio State University were curious as to whether boredom could be beaten by an unconventional approach to doing the same old thing in a new way and they used food to make the case. Assistant Professor of Marketing, Robert Smith, says the more we eat of something, the less we enjoy it. In our research, we find that people don't experience the same lowering of enjoyment when they consume food in new ways, such as eating popcorn with chopsticks or drinking water out of a champagne glass. So in the popcorn portion of the study, 68 people thought they were part of an experiment focused on eating slower. Half of the study participants ate 10 kernels of popcorn one at a time, the way one usually does with their hands, and the other half also ate one popcorn kernel at a time, but with chopsticks. All subjects were asked to rate how much they enjoyed the popcorn, as well as how flavorful and fun it was to eat. The chopstick group reported a better, more immersed experience. They felt more focused on the food and could taste it intensely. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, I love that. So just changing up. And they also did um, have, they had 300 people drinking water in fresh, new and fun ways, sipping it from martini glasses, drinking from a shipping envelope and even lapping it up like a cat. Okay, weirdos. <laughs> but I do that because I don't drink. If I'm out and they give me an alcohol-free drink and it's not in a nice glass, I'll get them to swap it over. Why should I have a shitty kitty glass? Because there's no alcohol in my drink. So it really does matter what you're um, drinking it out of. And I love drinking sparkling water out of a champagne glass. It is like water champagne. It's fabulous. 
So in summary, what to eat or not eat to release weight is highly dependent on your body, what you want, what you need. And the thing is, over time, the food trends change. We've gone through so many different phases of this is the food pyramid. Oh, we got that a bit wrong. Everybody says an obesity epidemic happening right now. It's ridiculous. And all this sugar-free Franken foods are just crazy. And, you know, people are getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And we're going back to basics, basically. Understanding that if you are creating the food that you're making, that it's, you know what's in it. And that's going to be the biggest thing. And, you know, it's not demonizing any food either. Like having less sugar makes sense. But I still eat chocolate every day. You know, I still have a square of dark chocolate after I've eaten a meal. And when you are eating something sweet, if you have it after a meal, then you don't have like a big sugar spike. So if you're having something sweet, then just have it after a meal instead of having it randomly in the middle of the day. Be wary of anybody that is telling you what to eat or not to eat. And you know what's best for your body. So instead of following trends like, I think the newest one, which is bloody ridiculous, is the carnivore diet. Like, come on, people. The truth is, what to eat or not to eat is going to vary from person to person. I mean, there are obvious things that if you eat a shitload of junk food, that releasing weight is going to be hard. But if you steer away from just releasing weight and into what you're receiving, because if you're eating that food, it really does affect your mood. And so if you're thinking of it as I'm eating for longevity, like, you know, if you're listening to this, you may be in your 30s, 40s, 50s, maybe even 60s. And if you're thinking now about longevity, about health over the long term as well, like that is a key factor of most people that start talking to me, that they're like, yeah, I've got to be really careful now. I do need to be aware of my own mortality. And so thinking into what is nourishing my body, what is nurturing my body, what does my body really want to need? How do I feel while I'm eating it? And how is that sitting with me afterwards? That's a really good place to start, to start tapping into what your body really wants and needs. And now we're into the segment called Bronze Favorite Finds. I've got to come up with like a little jingle or something for that, don't I? This is the part of the show where I share with you what I'm really loving right now, what I'm digging, what I am obsessing on, crushing on. What's a moment for me? What's a vibe that's so LA talk? It's such a moment. It's such a vibe. And what I really like is raspberry chocolate covered chickpeas. I'm going to the movies tomorrow to see Leo Grande. I think that's how you say it. With my friend, we're going to gold class because we're fancy. And we are, I always take snacks with me because I don't eat the shit that's at the movies. And even in gold class, they've got nothing for a person that doesn't eat gluten. Hardly anything. I think it's hot chips is the only thing I can have. And sometimes I have hot chips, but I just don't want to pay $15 for them either. <laughs> so I take my own snacks because they're infinitely better. And yeah, I always take chocolate covered chickpeas. Now, if you look at the ingredient list, and I do look at the ingredient list on processed food that I buy, I don't look up things for fruit and vegetables or anything like that. You just, it's just being aware of how things affect your body. 
And I'm not a purist. So these have things in them, you know, it's not like the most wholesome ingredients. But in the big scheme of things, if you're comparing these to the lolly aisle, the sweet aisle, then they're, yeah, they're pretty good. They're really good. Low carb. And they just give you that little bit of crunch, that little bit of chocolate, which I love. And so that's my movie snack for tomorrow. You can find them at Woolworths. You can find them at Coles. And you can get them in a family pack. And you can also get them in five lots of 20 gram packs as well. They've got other flavors too, just like normal chocolate. Not as good. Yeah. Now moving on to Dodgy Diet Teardown. That also needs music. In this segment, I share the insane, ineffective, ridiculous, and sometimes downright dangerous diets on the market. If you have one that you want me to cover, then shoot the details of it over to team at mindkey.com.au. Now, this is one that I shared on my Facebook page back in April. It's Dental Slim Diet Control. Researchers develop world-first weight loss device. Not world-first, they just rehashed an old idea. So this is what I wrote on my Facebook post. Can you actually fucking believe this? I was outraged. It's not a joke. It's not April Fool's Day, but there are definitely fools involved. This contraption is fitted... So the wearer can't open their mouth more than three millimeters. There isn't an obesity epidemic in the world caused by emotional, energetic, mental and physical issues that can be solved with a purely physical solution like this torture device madness. I'm embarrassed that it came out of a New Zealand university because I'm a Kiwi, if you can't tell from my very broad Kiwi accent. I'm astounded at the simplistic, reductive way of thinking about obesity and weight loss. Loss is in ironic air quotes. Oh, and in case you wondered, the wearer can release the magnets in case of an emergency. So it's basically useless because many wearers would consider get this bloody thing off me as a legit emergency. Professor Brenton says, the fact is there are no adverse consequences with this device. Mm, Professor Brenton, I beg to differ. The emotional impact of what is essentially wiring your jaw shut so you can only open your mouth a few millimeters has huge emotional adverse consequences. This is Muppet level ridiculous. Please tell me I'm not alone in thinking this. Restore my faith in humanity. Crazy, crazy, crazy. And other people thought so as well. So looking at this picture, there are two magnets you know the molars at the back so the third tooth in on the back there are really strong magnets attached to both of those teeth and then you can't you can't open your mouth when it's on crazy the thing about this is that it is creating a feeling that you can't be trusted around food so what are you going to do wear these stupid magnets for the rest of your life like ridiculous and on the level of insane and dangerous I would say that this rates highly on both it's not a world first like they used to wire people's jaws together this is barbaric just with magnets crazy and again it's such a masculine way of approaching this remembering that weight issues are not just about the physical thing it's not just about that you really like chocolate It's not about the food. It's not even about the weight. It's why you're doing what you're doing. And this doesn't solve any of that. 
And some of the people that have commented on this post are in my program, so they already know. And Tina says, that is horrendous. Just something else to fail because it's not addressing the real underlying issues with food. And even if you were able to keep it on, lose weight, what happens when you remove it and can eat again? Another product designed by someone who hasn't addressed weight issues in their own life. Yes. Narelle said, I can imagine people being so desperate to do this, sadly not realizing that it won't fix their issues that got them to this point emotionally. <laughs> and Simone says, I think we should start with wiring that professor. Don't know about weight loss, but less nonsense will come out of his mouth. Yes. Karen says the dehumanizing tone of the whole article leaves an unpleasant taste in your mouth. Just because you can doesn't mean you should. And then somebody else joked. They said, I've always joked to my husband that I should try having my jaw wired to stop me eating. Looking at that, maybe not. And I responded and said, what an awful joke about yourself that keeps telling your brain that you can't be trusted with food. I invite you to flip that upside down. And that's just a little key here. Our brain is always listening. So if you're saying things like that, oh, you can't trust me with a packet of biscuits. Oh, you can't trust me with this. Then you're telling your brain that you can't be trusted and you're not helping your cause. So, so many different gems for you to take away from this, isn't there? So many. And our last segment for this episode is that's not as healthy as you think it is. This is a little education of food we think is healthy, but it's not as healthy as you think it is. The title kind of gives it away. This is a dish that has been having a moment. Perhaps the moment has passed a little bit now, but it's acai bowls. And this is where you don't trust what you read on the internet because one of the things says a question, are acai bowls good for weight loss? And then the answer, some of the benefits of acai are that they help you lose weight fast and leave you delighted, satisfied and full. The hypnotic textures and fresh flavors, really? What the hell? Uh, always feel indulgent and refreshingly good. Is this written by the acai like board? Um, acai smoothie bowls also contain heart healthy fats, antioxidants and fiber, thus making them ideal for weight loss. And just directly across from that, the sugar content of an acai bowl is 21 to 62 grams of sugar per serving, depending on how much it's been messed with. And then you usually have it topped with granola, topped with berries, which are fine, obviously, um, and topped with banana, which again, in small doses is fine. I'm not demonizing any food, but just know that if you're having a big, massive acai bowl, then you could be eating, I've got to do my maths really quickly, 15 teaspoons of sugar. Yeah, 15 teaspoons of sugar. Amazing. I've only ever had this once. It's never appealed to me. And then I was just like, what is the big thing about this? So I ordered one and it was just so full on. And I don't really like, I don't understand smoothie bowls in general because I understand smoothies. I don't understand the smoothie bowl because I don't, I don't know. It's just this gloopy thing that you're eating. I'd rather suck a smoothie through a straw and in case anybody comes from me through a paper straw or through a metal straw. And I just don't get this. I don't get it. I don't I didn't think it tasted very nice. And I just felt like I was massively sugar rushing because I just had 15 teaspoons of sugar. And I've never had one again. And I knew that I was right. Mm. Yeah, so there you go. Now again, if you love nomming down on an acai bowl, I'm not coming for it. I'm not telling you what to eat or not eat. Just giving you the information so you can make a conscious loving choice for yourself. And perhaps you decide to order the smallest one and share it. Perhaps you decide to eat it after a meal so you don't have a sugar spike. And there's also another option for you. 
If you really like acai and you do want the health benefits from it, then you can always buy the raw organic material yourself, the berries, straight from Coles or Woolies. So I had a quick look on the Coles website and this is what I found. According to the Coles website, that's only got three and a half grams of sugar in it. So acai puree by itself is actually fine. Like it's just a berry. It's when they screw it up by adding so much sugar and crap into it to sell it and make it palatable. So I don't know what it tastes like just like that. If you want to go natural and you really love acai, then maybe make it at home, make it yourself, and then you know what's actually in it. And I don't, again, know how palatable it is just by having that puree by itself. But you could find that out. Knowledge is power. And the way you use this knowledge and the way you're harnessing the power of your mind consciously and subconsciously by listening to these episodes, by listening to the hypnos on my YouTube channel, and there's a free diet brain breakup hypno that you can also listen to, are going to set you up for the success that you want, desire, and deserve. Thanks for listening to this episode of Weight Release Revolution. Now, every good revolution needs people. And so I would be ever so grateful if you could share this podcast out with friends and family. You know those conversations when people start running themselves down or looking for miracle diet cures. Just share this podcast with them. Another way that you can share is to leave a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts because that's showing Apple, hey, more people need to see this. And every time you leave a five-star rating, an angel gets her wings. True story. Be sure to subscribe yourself so you don't miss out on any future episodes. I've made you a whole bunch of valuable resources that you can find by clicking through on the link that starts in Go and ends in the word hello in the podcast description or show notes. So it's go.mindkey.com.au forward slash hello. And those resources are fabulous. You've got a free hypno download that supports you to break up with diets forever. There's a workshop that you can listen to to find out your sabotaging behaviors. You can listen to more hypno recordings over on my YouTube channel. And there's paid programs and ways to work more intensively with me over there. So go over and check that out. And I'll see you in the next episode. Love you. Believe in you. You've got this.